Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming to you live from somewhere on planet Earth, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard. Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. This week, we welcome Vice President of Basketball and Franchise Operations for the Raptors 905 and proud Canadian, Courtney Charles. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, the voice vendor, let's rack it up, Danny G. It's Thursday, February 4th, 2021 in sunny, balmy Toronto, Ontario, Canada, but the snow and polar temperature is on its way. As per the norm these days, I'm on Zoom with Shep, the general manager of the CEBL's Ottawa Blackjacks, and also the host of the new show North Courts on CBC Sports. It feels like every week Javon adds another jewel to his shiny work schedule. Congrats to Shep for the launch of that show. Check it out, cbc.ca and YouTube. Also here is Andy Routens, former national teammate of Shep's and his assistant general manager on the Blackjacks. I want to mention our recognition and respect for Black History Month. I consider this to be a crucial part of the history of North America and humanity in general. And as a history buff, I know it's a part of our history that is not told nearly as often as it deserves. Black history is all our history, so let's be mindful of learning more and more every day. We are thrilled today to be joined by Mr. Courtney Charles, the Vice President, Basketball and Franchise Operations at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Specifically now, he has the top job at the Toronto Raptors G League affiliate, Raptors 905 in Mississauga, Ontario. Courtney started in the Raptors organization as an intern and has worked his way up into this vital VP role. Personally, I worked with Courtney for many years in my time with the Raptors. I consider him a great friend and one of the hardest working people I've ever met in the sports industry. With the start of the G League season only days away, we thought it was the perfect opportunity to invite Courtney on and talk about his team the league, and much more. Court, let, let's uh, let's turn the attention to the team on the court this year. You're going to have 15 games in the bubble. They're going to come fast. I think the season's only five or six weeks. What, what are your expectations for the team on the court, but also off the court, considering that they're not present here in Toronto, in Mississauga, And it's going to be a very different season as well for the fans and the followers of the team who are really, their only option is to follow along on TV. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's got a lot of pieces to it. I think, you know, the the number one thing is we want to win. We are an organization that uh, believes winning is is going to be the, uh, the total path for everybody to be successful. Uh, Not only players and coaches, um, but off the court. 
and then individually, we obviously um, thrive on having our talent get better. Uh, we take it very serious to not just have a G League team to win, but to have these players grow and develop and, and, and touched on, you know, some of the things we talked about being professional and, 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 and learning about the opportunity that's in front of us. Um, not all 28 teams are here in the bubble, you know, and, and that's, that's a perfect example of this is your one opportunity um, with one of the teams that are here. So, you know, that's really the part of, of growing that um, obviously showcasing the game uh, in Canada is very huge as we want to continue to grow it. And, you know, thank goodness to our, our, our media partners um, that eventually I will be able to uh, announce. Unfortunately, I can't do it today, but, you know, we'll be able to make some announcements on um, media picking up our games for TV and, 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 and radio and we'll be able to stream. So we'll be able to be viewed much more than we have in the past. And that's going to be really good for our fans um, who are not going to be able to see us in person. Um, but but there's going to be a lot of opportunities to hear us and to see us. And this team is going to be a team that people are going to want to follow. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, Courtney, having been somebody who's been around the organization, like since its inauguration, you know, as a little kid and seeing where it's gone to now, um, you know, bringing in this new wave, you know, the Courtney Charles, the the Bobby Webster's, the, the Masai Jiris, what would you say is you know, the grease to the wheels are a few key components, at least to consistency and continuity within the Raptors organization. Well, I mean, it's definitely Masai's um, outlook of, of making sure that we're, you know, we're diverse and, and we're, we're, we've got inclusion where everybody feels that they can be part of this team. I think, you know, with the, um, the, the strong and powerful ladies that we've hired, you know, with Teresa Resch and, and, Brittany Donaldson is a great example of who's now coaching with us and is going to make a huge impact uh, with Raptors 905. Um, but then to the other point, you know, the hiring of John Wiggins for organizational culture and inclusion and, and um, obviously Bobby Webster, uh, congratulations to him on his extension today. Um, That's right. So we're a diverse team and, and Masai challenges us to not only continue to be that, but to be innovative and to, challenge us to, you know, not just do what is the norm, um, but to, to think outside the box and to be great. And, and then we, we have personal agendas uh, that he challenges us to build on and to grow and to, you know, uh, eventually hold us accountable for. Um, so he sets the bar high, but he helps you along the way. And, and um, that's all you can ask. Who have you been most impressed with in, um, so far in training camp. But what have you, what, what's been the most impressive thing about this team? Uh, I was going to say, I'm not sure if I can single out anybody. Um, everybody's been pretty impressive. I think, um, you know, we've got a great opportunity with uh, a two-way player in Jalen Harris that's here with us. Obviously, we've got Nick and he's the Canadian. So uh, always want to make sure that gets uh, it, the love that it deserves. Um, to Andy's point, that's a young man that was able to watch this game um, develop in Canada with Vince Carter and so forth. And for him to now kind of be that person that people can look at the G League and say, there's a step that wasn't there before. And, and if I can make it to this step, um, then the NBA is even more of a possibility. Um, because before that, there weren't any steps, as you guys would know. And, and, and um, we would take any 
any steps that we can, you know, uh, with any professional uh, basketball in Canada. Um, so for me, it's really been, I said this to our team yesterday, it's really exciting to see our staff be able to do this. A lot of them are doing it for the first time. You know, Patrick Matumbo is a, is a first-time head coach here uh, with us, and I think that's exciting for him. Um, and then, you know, I talked about the coaching staff with Brittany and Eric and John Bennett um, and Arsalan and Ryan Schmidt. Um, and you guys know Ryan Schmidt pretty well um, from some of his summer experience. So it, it's really just you, you, you're away from the game and you know why you love it and you know what you miss. But when you get to see others really get to do their craft and really get to apply themselves, you know, I, I asked them all to share a moment that they've really enjoyed in training camp so far. And, and it's, it's, you know, being able to apply yourself and to study and to really do it for real. And um, that's, that's really the thing that I truly, truly love um, seeing our people enjoy the game. We, uh, we saw in Toronto in the NBA uh, a couple nights ago, we saw Fred Van Vliet absolutely go off, score 54 points um, against Orlando Magic. You might have even been at the game, I'm wondering. Um, you know, we know that that is the first um, undrafted player in NBA history to score 54 points in a game. And I wonder, we'll have to get our, uh, our crack team of researchers on it, if he's the first player to come out of the G League and score 54 points in an NBA game. I'm sure he is the first and only to have done it. I, I think what that speaks to, and we've heard it um, around the Toronto Raptors for years now, the, the G League Raptors 905 was a resource um, that's been utilized to the fullest. And we've seen Fred Van Vliet um, get better in the G League. Pascal Siakam was there. Chris Boucher was there. You know, those are three examples that come to mind right away of players who weren't, you know, they, they were part of that program. They were part of the Raptors 905 program. My question to you is, can you, can you explain or illustrate or put your finger on what it is, what happens at the G League level in this franchise with the Raptors 905 team that helps these players become better and enhance the Raptors NBA product itself? Well, well, before we talk G League 905, I think we got to give a little bit of a shout out to our scouting department. You know, the, uh, the Dan Tolzmans and the Patrick Engerberch, um, they've been very huge on making sure that, you know, they could find talent to, to put on this team. And, and that's what the team ends up being. It ends up being somewhere you can put talent that you know's got what you think it needs to get there, but you just don't have enough roster spots on an NBA um, team. So, you know, shout out to them for, you know, building and, and, and doing all the prep and all the work that they put into um, to getting us the players. And then when you get the players, the the repetition is is just the key thing it's it's really the opportunity of being on the court playing games over and over we talk about the undrafted and we talk about the late picks um but we also can talk about the guys we've reassigned you know and and, and um somebody like a stanley johnson is a perfect example you know he he came to us he wasn't able to get onto the floor as much as he wanted but he was able to go down and get some reps and and for me it's all having that culture 
of that we're trying to get better here at the Toronto Raptors and Raptors 905. And Raptors 905 are going to have coaches that are in place, as you've seen in the past. We've had some great coaches in JAMA and Jerry Stackhouse and Jesse Mermus. These are all people that are all still doing really good things. Um, JAMA's obviously back with the Raptors now. And, and this is what Pat gets to do. He gets to come down and he gets to continue this trend of getting players better. Um, and and we, we really have pride in that. And, and we are one of the only teams that had as many G League experienced players start camp this year. Um, and, and that's something that as we get going here a little bit more, you're going to start seeing it really start to take an effect. Uh, kind of a nice segue in, into this next question. You know, I think it's no secret that you know, the, the, the farm system for, for the Raptors and, and guys developing like Pascal and Fred Van Vliet. And, uh, you know, not only has it been beneficial for them, but from the coaching side as well with the, with the Jamma Masalelas and Patrick Matumbo is now the head coach, you know, having spent time respectively with both organizations, is there some synergies between, you know, the same type of energies with the players that get the same development as, as the management and coaching side as well within the organization? Yeah, I think um, when you look at, um, you know, kind of we talked about these players that came down. For example, Norman Powell is a player that played at the G League, you know, and he played right, on right. five. And, yep. and Patrick Matumbo would be the guy he used to come back to at the Raptors, and he would be asking Matumbo, how did I do? You uh -huh. know, and, and how, what, what else did I need to work on? Um, and, and that's going to be great experience for Patrick now to share with these G League players. Right. You know, he can share the relationship he had with Norman and and how he was able to help Norman come down to the G League, work on his game and then apply it back at the Raptors. And um, that's really the great thing that we've been able to build with our management team is we've got a relationship. Um, a lot of people realize now not only the relationship, but the distance. Right. We're able to send a player to the right. G League and he can end up coming and playing that same night. Yeah, just down the you street know, um, at our arena. So that's that's an that's something we were able to establish when you think about logistics. But relationship wise, is the same. We're able to go watch those games. Mm -hmm. We're able to um, you know go go see the person and, and sit down and talk to them. And, mm -hmm. and those are the things that we have really been able to strive on is really get to know our players, really get to know uh, what's going to help them get to the next level. And, and then just have great communication because there's no there's no barriers that some other teams may have, which could be, you know, flights, um, distance, um, things of that sort. So it really mm -hmm. works in our favor on how connected we are. What's been because, you know, basketball is a basketball. And we're all aware of the development piece, the development component and emphasis that the, the Raptors have placed upon the, the G League team, the 905 team. What's been an area of that you, Courtney Charles, have been extremely excited about along this path, as well as you know where do you, where do you want to develop? Great question. I think it kind of goes to what you guys all talked about in the beginning, which is that off court accountability, right? Like challenging guys to save money, challenging players to spend time with their families and and to play their part if they are a, a father. Um, or even a best friend to make sure that they're still staying humble and, and becoming greater people for the community. Um, so I took great um, pride in making sure that they understood that 
every day we're getting better on the court, I, I had an expectation of getting better off the court. And, and one of the things that we were able to start establishing uh, with a past player who's no longer with us, but, you know, making sure that your wellness is there, making sure that you've got your, your mental uh, mindset in a good place, that you recognize that if you need to um, speak to, any, to someone on anything, uh, that you know there are resources. So it was something where we showed, you know, not just from a nutrition standpoint, but from a mental wellness, from a, um, we'll say, a buy-in of sorts of understanding our culture. Um, so, and that, to your point, Shep, is that's where it's different than just basketball. Um, that's where we were able to show there's other ways of, of buying in to the culture, to yourself, to the team, to winning, and eventually get to that place of a championship that we were able to experience. Courtney, you, you and I uh, worked together in the same place for many years, and we have seen basketball grow from kind of a, you know, a fringe sport, an afterthought in Canada to, look, arguably the most popular sport. Um, I, I might get a lot of uh, pushback on saying that, but I think that we saw it, what we saw in 2019 was, was the popularity of a game and a team um, reaching critical mass in Canada. You know, we're seeing um, multiple Canadian basketball leagues pop up. Uh, the CEBL that, you know, our friends Shep and Andy are, are working in right now, maybe at the head of the class. I'm wondering if you think there's a future for maybe another Canadian team in the G League. Um, I think you mentioned there's 28 teams in the league right now. You know, what, what would you think just, you know, of the, of the prospect of their potentially being a G League team in, in Quebec or Halifax or, or out west? You know, it, is that something that could be a possibility in the future? Yeah, it's a great question, especially looking at the times we're in now and, and, and with the unfortunate part of this pandemic. But I think the game has grown so much that there is room to um, think about, you know, adding another G League team. And I think that would maybe be the, the way to start you know, maybe start a G League team and, and maybe eventually you can get to another NBA team. Um, and, and let's go ahead and put put it out there. Let's go ahead and get a WNBA team as well. Um, because at the end of the day, um, the ladies are playing at a very high level and, and they're just as entertaining. Um, and we've got room in this market um, to add them as well. So for me, the growth is, is endless. Um, you talk about what we've seen in our years at, 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 uh, at where um, I work and you used to work. I remember, you know, thinking if we ever had to see how many people would come out to watch us, we would never think it would be anybody outside watching on a screen. You know, when we talk about dreaming big, no one, no one ever dreamt about that. You know, if you could get everybody into the stadium, we were going to be pretty content. Um, so having people watch outside on a screen and, and I'm not talking just in a circle. I'm talking it went down the street. Um, you know, it's endless. It's endless on what we can do. And as we develop the game more across the country, uh, you're right. We're going to be able to put a team somewhere else, and it's going to be able to thrive um, because the talent is, is there. Um, you know, we've got these high school players that are, that are really good, and at some point the NBA is going to have to decide if it's something that they can come straight out of high school or if they're not. And if they don't, well, then maybe they're on Team Ignite like they are now. And that would make the G League pretty exciting as well, as we know this new generation is, is following that, that group very closely. 
Um, you know, that, that is a group that is, is part of the business now. Um, um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this G League bubble scenario works. And I'm glad we were able to get something off of the ground. But it, it could grow even more based on how these players play. So tell uh, me, like, oh, go ahead, Eric. You got it, Chef. Go ahead. Apparently, you, you, were, you were some sort of track athlete. Is that? <laughs> uh, tell me, is that urban legend? Just, or just an all-American. <laughs> like, just a light all-American. What's that about? So, Chef, I think that's a great point of where my off-court development really started was as a young person, I wanted to be a basketball player. I, I, I cannot uh, lie to you that I both wanted to be in your shoes um, a thousand percent, like didn't want anything else more in the world. Uh, but I had a talent that uh, my mentor told me that I'd be able to capitalize on and I'd be able to get a scholarship and get my university paid for. And I had to make a decision. I had to you know, figure out if education or a passion was more important. And I chose education. Um, trying to be mature and smart, but also probably because my mom was going to probably tell me that's what I'll do anyways. But, you know, I, I got a chance to go to the U.S. And at some point, again, to, to Dan Gladman's point, when you think back, you know, just just say 20 years so we don't date ourselves too much. But 20 years ago, if you could leave Canada to go to the U.S., that was, you know, that was a that was a goal and a dream for many people. And, and I had that opportunity. So I went and I was able to go and run track. and. Um, unbelievable experience because it allowed me to see more of the business side of sports once I got there um, you know coaches calculating all the points for the conference on how we're going to win it and I'm thinking like wow he's got it down to a T like he's got people running races they don't even run just so they can come third and get a couple more points um, and that's when I started realizing that this is such more of a business and that's when I decided that I would run as fast as I could and as long as I could. Um, and I did get to Olympic trials and unfortunately was not able to perform the way I wanted, but I was able to take that experience and say, okay, how do I apply this to basketball now so I can eventually get back to basketball and be in basketball, not as a player, but as maybe an executive and maybe as somebody who ends up running a franchise one day. So your point about being a track star was you know, it's it's something that really motivated me to think bigger than anybody in my household was thinking. Thinking big, right? Dreaming big um, was really the opportunity. And that's what Maasai challenges us to dream big. And, and everybody in our organization knows that. Oh, that's huge, man. And, and here you are full circle. So hats off to you. That's that's really incredible. Um, just one more question. I kind of wanted to pick your brain, you know, doubling back on you know, growing the game, um, you know, there's a couple of guys, you know, Shep and I who are, you know, starting their careers on the other side of the game, you know, we're really trying to get involved with the community in Ottawa. Um, you know, I think there's no better person to ask than you really. I think we're really curious as to know what the basis is or kind of what drives a successful community initiative. Well, for you, for you both, um, you guys are past players and, and you guys, you know, more than me have a mm -hmm. little bit more of the height um, and, and you can obviously do a little bit more in the gym. So being out there and being in the community and letting those kids see that is going to be really, really instrumental for you. Um, they're going to believe it more when they see it. Um, and especially during times like this, you get to realize how important it is to get out. 
right? right? So right now we're staying safe, we're staying inside, but as soon as we get back to some normalcy and once we get back to some safety, you're going to be able to show people like there's excitement out here and there's excitement in 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 coming together and talking. You know, we just did a partnership with the YMCA and mm-hmm. we all know the YMCA is instrumental. It it allowed us to realize there were facilities where you could get better, right? right? And and what you need to do is you need to go in the community and you need to let them realize how this game is universal, mm-hmm. how this game is for everybody, boys, girls, tall, short, mm-hmm. black, white. It it's 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 easy. Transcends everything. It's, yeah, you know, you you can put budgets together and get basketballs, and people can start there. You know, you don't even need a net right away, right? So you just need to, you know, get to get with your your groups and, and get out there in the community. And, and really, you guys are in a perfect scenario. You get to share who you are, what you did, and what you're bringing and let people realize that they have an opportunity of seeing some talent before it maybe gets to the next level. You know, it may, it may, they may play with you before playing with the G League. And they right. may play with you before playing in a in a... MBA training camp, mm-hmm. right? So this is a way for them to see players up close uh, eventually. Hopefully we can get there soon. Mm-hmm. But we we now realize how special that was and how surreal it is. You know, we all would have loved to be uh, in Orlando watching that 54-point game by um, Fred. As much as he said it was easy, um, it, it wasn't that easy because he, he hadn't done it before. So... Um, it's something where you know it's a, it's a moment that you'll 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 always love and 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 cherish, but seeing it live is special. Oh, I, I used to score fifty four on my Nerf hoop with my eyes closed. Um, you got to start, start somewhere. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. That's some of us. That's as far as we got in the game. You know, Courtney, we uh, are so grateful that you could join us today. We'll let you go. Um, best of luck to Raptors 905 this season. Courtney Charles, he's the Vice President of Basketball and Franchise Operations. The G League starts its bubble season in Orlando, Florida on February the 10th. Courtney, thank you so much and good luck to your team this year. Thank you all for everything that you do. Appreciate you. And uh, if you ever need anything, I'm here. Thank you, Courtney. Appreciate it. All right, Courtney. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Uh, We'll move on here on Jim Rats and Joints, and we'll shout out our sponsor, Henderson Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love, and uh, I certainly love Henderson Food Truck Beer. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Time now for this date in Toronto Raptors history, I know, I was there. Hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. Okay, February 5th, 1999. I actually wasn't at this game. I was still in journalism school at Ryerson here in Toronto. It was the opening night of the labor stoppage shortened season and the first game of Vince Carter's 
record 22-year career. The Raptors win in Boston 103-92 behind 28 points and 16 rebounds from Kevin Willis. Carter scored six en route to his Rookie of the Year season. Fellow rookie Paul Pierce scores 19 for the Celtics. And that was this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there, even though I wasn't. Hopefully this week I will remember to post it on Twitter. Hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. Okay, we move on to NBA topics, and we've already alluded to this, so let's talk more about it. Uh, the Raptors, they're 7-4 uh, they're and four, uh, since starting 2-8, and eight, and they're right back into the action in a really topsy-turvy Eastern Conference. But Fred Van Vliet had an incredible 54-piece the other night in Florida. We have to talk about this. Shep, what are your thoughts on his game that night? I think, you know... Freddie deserves a game like that because for everything he's done with this club, everything, you know, the way he plays and as much as he invests and gives to this team, you just wanted to see him have that moment. And when you look at his career, man, you look at a guy that's, you know, standing barely six foot, what he's able, what he's been able to do from his college days, bring that Wichita state team to what is it? A final four appearance to winning a G league title to winning a, a um, a title with the Toronto Raptors in 2019 to, you know, most wins in franchise history last season to now this, it's like this guy has really, and, and his mantra bet on yourself is really embodies everything. So you, you just, you're, you're happy for him. And I think, you know, the, the two most impressive things that stood out to me was the fact that when he hit that 50, he was still fighting over screens. He was still like, I remember yes. there was a miscue between I want to say him and, and Watanabe or I, don't don't quote me there I can't remember exactly the play but he was still getting on guys for missing their defensive assignments the game was already out of reach you had a fifty ball just go for the record like and he was still committed and that just shows so much about his character so much about the player that he is and he's all about winning um, and then the fact that his humility man like you he just that just makes him a fan favorite because he's always so selfless you could hear kyle screaming you know and jumping ecstatic for him and freddie was just like steady freddie just cool and calm you just had a 50 ball that 50 is hard at any level i don't know if i could go to to the high school level and score 50 right now um so you're you're, you definitely gotta just not with that body Oh man! Yeah, man, you gotta be happy for it, man. To me, I mean, to me, the most impressive thing was was his efficiency. I mean, he he went seven for twenty three field goals, uh, eleven for fourteen from three, and nine for nine from the line. I mean, you know, most guys when they get that you know that fifty ball, they're jacking shots. They feel good. You know, they got a high percentage going into you know the fourth quarter, but then they just start trying to get theirs. And Freddie was the opposite of that. He's just trying to win the game. Um, you know, he's averaging twenty six and four. Uh, only a handful of guys in the league to, to average that. And, you know, uh, he's obviously taking a step back because of the loss in pieces uh, with his assists. But, you know, I don't think I don't think you can write a better story. I think it's time to give Fred the keys to the organization. I mean, he's everything you want in a player. He's a bona fide winner. He's a leader. He's a relentless competitor. Um, and he's shown his loyalty to an organization that gave him a chance when so many wrote him off. So. I think that Toronto did the right thing by bringing him back. I think he did the right thing by coming back, and, and that's paying dividends. Yeah, great stuff, guys. And I, I tweeted it uh, after I heard of the 54-point game. It's it's Fred Van Vliet's team right now. Oh, yeah. 
you know, one guy uh, who the keys have been given to, um, literally, Courtney Charles mentioned it earlier in our podcast, um, the Raptors announced that uh, Bobby Webster, the general manager, uh, has been re-signed to, to a multi-year deal. Looking good, 36 years old, general manager with an NBA championship on your resume. Uh, not too bad. You guys want to comment on uh, that re-signing and, and also what it, what it could mean in terms of Masai Ujiri. You know, his, his contract is also up at the end of this season. I think it just shows everything that we've known is that these guys are committed to this organization. They're invested in, they, you know, they're rewarded. Like they're being rewarded for everything that they've accomplished. So, you know, you have to be, got to be happy for a, a guy like Bobby. He's a part of bringing a championship to this, you know, to this, this country. And, and who would have even seen that coming, right? Like I'm sure even as we, walked into that game against Golden State, we still didn't believe as a country, as a as organization that, you know, we were going to accomplish this thing. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's... I barely believed it when I walked out. <laughs> right? So it's it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be... They, they have to get rewarded for the things that they've accomplished, things that they've done. And that's just... That goes far beyond basketball. That's just just life and and I, I imagine Masai will follow shortly and again like he had mentioned early on in the season that his his focus and primary focus at that was to just make sure one his his team was taken care of and and his staff and and slowly but surely things are starting to unfold uh, and it's all timely that the team's starting to play well as, as of late as well I couldn't be happier that they brought Bobby back. I think the things that he's done for this organization since 2017, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You know, they, they've been one of the most winningest teams in the NBA in the last five, six years. Um, you know, Masai alluded to his creativity. You know, he's a guy who's great with numbers. He's got high relatability because he's a younger guy with the players. Um, and I know him personally. He, he, was, he was great to me in my short time there. Um, you know, he's, he's a very personable guy. So I think that you know, him coming back is a good sign to bring Masai back as well, because I think, you know, it's just not going to be the same without that tandem. And, and, I, and I'm hopeful that Masai comes back so that they can keep doing what they're doing and bring another championship to the city. Let's get to uh, some of the games from last night. The one that really caught my eye uh, was Washington's win over Miami. The defending Eastern Conference champion Heat are 7-14. and 14. Butler is back. And Adebayo is playing great. They've still lost two straight. Um, This is coming off of Butler's absence for about three weeks, probably with coronavirus. Is is this Miami Heat team anything close to what we saw last year? And are they going to make the playoffs, guys? Shep, you want to start? I count them out of the playoffs. I think last year they it's one of those things where they they got their confidence at the right time and they just they were they were moving, they were running and and. You know, they relied heavily last year on, on Hero as well as Duncan Robinson. And again, those guys, I believe, were at, their confidence was at a peak. But at the same time, those were two really young players. So there is going to be a, a learning curve as well as, you know, they, they were playing in the bubble. So they were, they were finding it. So teams had extra time to see what makes this Miami Heat team go. And again, they don't have the superstars that, you know, L.A. has in A.D. and LeBron. So... Um, you know, that's that's the, the unfortunate side or the misfortune of playing that long into the playoffs is that 
you're on a, on center stage. You know, the bright lights are on you, and everybody see, everybody sees how you play, gets to scout you, and so forth. And that's that's tough for uh, Hero and Robinson, where young guys and still need time to develop to be, you know, impact guys. So it's funny because I remember conversations, um, you know, NBA Twitter going crazy during finals and saying is you know asking if, if Tyler Hero is a is an NBA superstar I'm like guys he's he's a really good player a really good shooter <laughs> but look at look at his size like how is he going to be able to be a, a a superstar and withstand you know the rigors of a, of a NBA season at that mm-hmm. level but they'll be learning they'll, it'll be some some learning to do and I, I just don't see them as you know one contender or a playoff team right now and I think the loss of Crowder, that experience really hurt. Yeah, I mean, the Heat certainly don't look like themselves. I mean, as far as them being contenders, that's not even in question. Um, you know, I think they're still reeling from from the injuries, Avery Bradley and, and JB. And, uh, you know, Tyler Hero is playing out of position right now. He's playing a lot of point guard. So it, it's, it's, a different, it's a different season than last year's team. Um, but the one thing that they have is, is the X factor. They have Spo. I mean, I, I don't think any team is really, you know, you can't count them out. And if you have Spo as well as Jimmy Butler, you know, they they're both guys who want to win at any cost. Um, and you can bet that they're they're going to have extra film sessions, extra tough practices to turn this thing around. And, and the sentiment on the team is that, you know, everybody wants to turn it around. Nobody's sending it in just because it's a write off, or you know, because uh, you know it's it's coronavirus or whatever the case may be. But um, they're a far cry from championship contention, but they're seven and fourteen, and, and I still see them turning the corner to make the playoff spot. Um, I question New York, Orlando, Chicago, maybe even Charlotte, who's playing actually really well right now. I question their ability to stay consistent down the stretch, you know, especially after not having been playoff teams in recent memories. So um, I think I think they'll 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 be all right if they stick it out and and, and figure this thing out. The Heat still have Butler, and you know you said the X factor is Spo. I I say I say it's Butler, and he is going to whip that team back into shape. But they are missing a couple of pieces, and seven and fourteen is a, is a, a pretty deep hole. I do think though that they're going to be able to get a bit fatter with some games against some teams in the East that are pretty weak. Um, I I was not impressed with what I saw from the Orlando Magic. Um, one bit. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, Chicago and New York look like they're competing for playoff spots, but there's some cream puffs in the East. Uh, Antetokounmpo had another triple-double last night. The Bucks beat the Pacers. The East really looks like a three-team race at the top now. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. Um, the Nets have the 28th best defense out of 30. Um but they're just impossible to stop. But back to the Bucks, could they? Could you see a, a scenario where the Bucks finish in first place in the conference again? And that's been Bucks DNA, and that's uh, Bucks will be Bucks through the regular season. Hey, this is what I do. I just don't see them having enough. And I think you know, as great as as the Greek Freak is. I think he still has to develop, man. He's great at, you know, he can go coast to coast and really get downhill and he's, and he's you know, he's physically aggressive, but it's tough to guard that and on one night. But it becomes tougher for him to do that when you have to beat a team four times in a row. Um, so, I, you know, Bucks are going to be Bucks. I, I think they could very well finish the top, top in the East. Um, 
but playoffs is a, is a different beast. That's a different breed of basketball. And I, I don't think they have enough juice for that. And again, you know, that Brooklyn Nets team is the team to be in the, in the, in the East. I know, you know, we've said they have the worst defense in, you know, in the league, but Hey, well, they do when, when <laughs> they score at the rate that they score, they also give their opponent more opportunities to score. So, there's also I think those defensive numbers are skewed in a sense because they're putting in that they're putting that basketball in you know in the rim at a high clip. That's the pace of those games are a lot different. Yeah, I think we I think we all know that the playoffs are really largely based on on defense. And so it's going to be interesting to see once they get there. They'll breeze through the regular season, but once they get to the playoffs, it'll be interesting to see how they change up uh, or, or really try to dig in and, and figure out their defensive side. But as far as Milwaukee goes, I'm going to take an opposite stance from you, Shep. I think we're starting to see you know, the evolution of, of Giannis at this point in his career. The, the key stat in his performance against Indy for me was, was that he had 10 assists. I mean, he's averaging a career-best six assists that will likely climb. Um, you know, since he's found his body in the league, you know, which he's worked really hard for, he's, he's just essentially tried to bully people, take on double, triple teams. And, you know, if, if he couldn't Euro-step them, he was going through them. So uh, we're now seeing – a different side of Giannis, who's who's capable, who's a capable playmaker, and he's a willing passer, which essentially makes him virtually unstoppable because he's he's got all facets of the game. If if he has that to his bag, the attention he garners on a nightly basis, um, you know, leaves shooters open on the perimeter. And conversely, when they hit, you know, you, you can't leave a Giannis. So it's it's a double-edged sword, and I think he's starting to figure that out. And the Bucks have always, like you said, Shep, reached a state of complacency. You know, once they get to the playoffs and. And I think they're trying to change up their style of play, you know, through the regular season. and uh, Hopefully they'll surprise some people in the playoffs, but I, I still don't think they have what it takes to get past Brooklyn. In, in terms of the regular season, I think uh, the Bucks have learned lessons over the last two years, finishing in first, not getting to the finals. First of all, it, it puts a lot of undue pressure on you as the number one seed. You're expected to get to the finals. I, I also think maybe they, will take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit this year. Um, they don't need to prove that they have to finish first in the East. They need to prove that they can win in the playoffs. So I, I, I think actually all three of us are kind of in agreement on that. With the Bucks. it's playoffs or bust in, in terms of how far they go. And on the flip side, I think Philadelphia, they do have something to prove. And I think finishing in first place in the East for them means more than it does to probably any other team in the East right now. So I think they're going to go for it um, with Doc Rivers coaching throughout the year. Guys, one thing that's really catching my attention this week is uh, talks of an all-star game. It it was kind of a gray area when when this season began. Um, There was a weekend kind of left open for it with no real commitment, but now it looks like they're going to do it. Um, it looks like it'll be in Atlanta on March the 7th. You know, I'm only asking this question because of the, the coronavirus pandemic. Is it a good idea to fly in a bunch of basketball players from different cities and go through the, the rigmarole of an all-star game, even though it, it's great for the players, it's great for the fans? It, it, is this a good idea? I would have opted against it. I think, you know... The players are already under enough um, going through, like traveling under the conditions that they're going through now. I mean, that would have been a perfect opportunity, one, to mitigate the risk of, of transferring this virus, but two, just allowing them to decompress and be with family and so forth, right? So 
I don't think it's an ideal situation, but we know the beast that we're dealing with, and that the NBA is about you know that bottom line. And and but the players want it. The players want to do it too, though, Shep. No, that's always that's always going to be. I've mixed. been hearing the opposite. Really, De'Aaron Fox came out adamantly opposing it. Interesting. It's always going to be. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, it's at the end of the day. It, to me, the All-Star game is about the fans. It's about the pageantry of the league. It's about celebrating the players. And, you know, with, without fans or limited or, you know, any crowd reaction or engagement, to me, the All-Star game isn't going to be what it always is. You know, and it would look just like it does on TV right now when you're watching these regular season games with just, you know, tarp seats. Uh, the <laughs> energy won't be the same. And, and and like you said, it's 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 trivial to put players in a, in a position where, they might have to jeopardize their health again, you know, in a time where, you know, their mental health is really at risk. So to me, it would seem like a more viable option for everybody to get time, you know, to have some sense of normalcy, to, to see the people they bubble up with and, and just kind of take off their, uh, take off their work hat for a moment and, and, and get back to real life. Or we can end up with, what, with, what did LeBron call her? Sideline Karen? Sideline you know Karen. Courtside Side Karen. Karen. Courtside Karen. Courtside yeah, that's Karen. That's the one. <laughs> we could end up with a couple courtside carries yeah. in Atlanta for the Jeez. All-Star game. That's a tough one to the nice people out there who who are named Karen. I, I know a few of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I, I did want to bring that up. Um, it, it happened in Atlanta. Uh, some fans. The were, irony. Wow. Well, can can you imagine in in this era with the pandemic and just how lucky you are to even be allowed into the building at this point to right. watch? an NBA game when, you know, most people can't even dream of something like that. But some fans were, were thrown out of the game earlier this week after having some words with LeBron James. Unfortunate incident. Um, I, I guess the question is, has has anything like this ever happened to you? Have you ever almost come to blows with, with a fan? You're playing, you're in a road arena, and they're, they're coming at you to the point where it's actually getting you involved in a, a con- possible confrontation with them? Man, I remember that even before playing professionally with that rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State, it gets it gets testy. It gets testy. And speaking of that, AR, our brawl with Italy, that can that be (laughs) where they they Uh, cleared the whole stands, everybody I I don't know if that if that would would be included in this. I mean it did start between Aaron Aaron Dornicamp and um, who was I it? I forgot his fucking time. name. I forgot. I forgot his name. Um, I don't think too, it was. I, I, don't think, I don't think it was due to to fan engagement. Um, I think it was more so. But the brawl itself was awesome. <laughs> we should put yeah, that link yeah. up somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That when was we great. get that, that was, up, like yeah, it's that was on a YouTube. Good time. It's, it's it's it is. And the fa- the fact that it's it's made it on Manchinelli. YouTube this long. Manchinelli. 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 That's right. Lefty. Manchinelli. Canada okay. versus. When you guys get a chance, Canada versus Italy brawl. I think That's you'll right. even see. You Starring might see Jesse AR, Young. Jesse AR, Young, Leo, AR, Rock. Can you tell us everybody was in there? What year was it? Oh six, oh seven, kind of thing. I was I was rocking the mullet back then, so I had it been oh seven. <laughs> 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 but yeah, okay, going back to going back to this 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 courtside Karen, I I I have to go in on this because. Of course she's an influencer. Of course she's an influencer. Because what do what do influencers thrive on? It's 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 engagement. engagement. It's engagement. It. So this this for her was like her 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 courtside Super Bowl. I mean, Moment, essentially it got yeah. her eighty thousand fans after she was talking shit to LeBron James. And 
to me, I feel as though this goes back to the Russell Westbrook, you know, incidents with fans. This goes back to, you know, the malice in the palace. I feel as though there's a code of conduct for fans of games. You know, heckling is a natural part of the game. I understand that. But my thing is, if, if you wouldn't feel comfortable saying it to them outside of the arena, then keep your mouth shut. Because if you don't want to deal with the ramifications of being in the media or dealing with the aftermath, then don't say anything. Like, imagine LeBron going to Karen's home while she's making her fit tea Instagram videos and her TikToks and saying, you know, reckless things. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's, blasph- it's blasphemous to think about. And, 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 I, and I do believe that, you know, the league does need to do their due diligence in terms of protecting the players and, and uh, you know, the likeness of their images as well. It, it's funny. It does remind me of one of the games during the NBA Finals mm-hmm. 2019 when Kyle Lowry had a, had a bit of an incident with someone, you know, in the front row on the court on the Golden State Warriors side. Someone said mm-hmm. some uh, incredibly rude things to Kyle, and um, that that person was eventually escorted out. And it turned out he was a, a like a minority owner or stakeholder. Oh, that's right. That's right. Huge, hugely embarrassing uh, situation, and you know, in some ways, kind of a part of the comedy of errors that the Warriors went through. You know, th- those every game at uh, Oracle Arena during those finals, something something's <laughs> go wrong. You know, almost always on the Oakland the, and, and the Golden State side. I, I just, I guess, I'm just wondering what what it is that a, a fan says, and you know, this is a podcast, so we can cross that line, but. What is it that a fan would say to LeBron James that actually interrupts his his concentration of playing? Because I think of LeBron James as just a mental um, giant and able to put aside any distraction. I the the thing that was most surprising about it to me was that LeBron actually gave a shit what what a fan in the audience had to say. That's a good point, DG. He he is a mental juggernaut. I think nothing affects him, but I do think he likes that engagement to a certain extent because he came out in the media and he said he missed he missed interacting with yeah, fans. Right. He missed having that back and forth. So, to me, he was probably just engaging her husband. You know, talking some shit. You know, you want to say something to me? Okay, yeah. I'll let you know. And then and then, of course, Karen was like, "This is my time. Like, <laughs> this is my show. This is my fifteen minutes." You know. So, uh, yeah, I think I, even I mean, after in the post game. He was, you know, he was still as much as he came. He, he kept a calm demeanor or a quote unquote professional demeanor. I think there was a, there was some subtle jabs there as well. Like he was yeah. having fun with it. Okay. And you 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 have fun with it, man. You can have fun with it. But there, you're right. There is a line, and I think that the thing here was that there's nobody else in the arena. So yeah, yes, he can be. Everyone's here, right? Yeah. Yes, he can be this this mental juggernaut and and tune everything out, but. If it's now taking shots at his family and stuff like, let's just keep it to me. Just keep it to me. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Fair enough. Okay, guys. Uh, you know, there's one more big game coming up this week, and we are a basketball podcast. We rarely stray from uh, the sport that we all know and love, but it's the big game, the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes this Sunday. I do think we would be remiss if we didn't go around the room and uh, ask who you got. Andy, I already know who you're picking. Do you? 
I, I do because I know your dad. I, I know who your dad's picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're both uh, huge fans of, of of Mr. Tom Brady. I, I think I just I just respect Michigan his body men. of work. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. this is the only time I can say I'll, I'll root for the, the second game. most famous athlete in Michigan history. <laughs> we got number one here on the podcast. But you know. To see him get to this point where he, where he's going for his seventh ring, I mean, it's just a commitment to greatness. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he has his entire career ahead of him. He's got 400 M's. Let Tom get this one. You know, I want to see he's put in the hours. He's he's made the sacrifice, um, and to see what he's doing at this age, you know, is really inspiring. Not only for you know for for football players, but for athletes in general. I mean, it's given it's given everybody a new shot of life and. Um, you know that the TB12 program is is uh, is real. It's working. So I, I want to see him get that W. I would love that. Shep, who you got? By default, I, I got to ride with my with my Michigan family. Yeah. Wow. Mr. Brady, we're we're rocking out with Mr. Brady, and um, yeah, I think, like you said, Ar Mahomes has his whole career ahead of him, and I think the ladies love him enough right now, so I don't need any more stress oh, in my yeah. life. Him and Travis Kelsey, like I like right. the dynamic that they yeah. have, you know, the, the yeah, fun that Casey has. But okay, watching, yeah, yeah. Go so ahead. you guys, you guys are going on record both picking Tampa Bay to win. You're not picking against. Absolutely. Okay. No, I'm riding. I'm riding. Well, our producer Dan Wong has the uh, the Chiefs by twenty. I also I got to go with Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, seven Super Bowl rings for one human being. It is that that isn't even fair. Um, so I don't know. I kind of see it like a LeBron James kind of thing. Like maybe you get there all the time, but you don't always get to win. So I'm going with the Chiefs. Looks like we're two against two. Okay, that's going to wrap our 27th episode of Jim Rats and Joints. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our guest Courtney Charles, the Vice President of Basketball and Franchise Operations of the G League's Raptors 905. He's one of the good guys. We wish him all the best this year to his team in the G League bubble season. Thanks, as always, to our producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong. Find him on Twitter at Dan Wong Says. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on Apple and Spotify. Tell your friends to listen. One of my pals called our show The Economist of Basketball. We'll take it. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Rats Podcast and on Instagram. You can follow Shep at Javon Shepard, and Andy on IG. I'm at DG on the road, all over the social media world. Check out my thoughts and stories there. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll have more basketball talk next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 